Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. Well, hello. Hi, Christy. You look like you just rushed in from Canada. <laughs> I did. I just rushed in from Canada. And I got to drive through snow. Oh, I'm trying to decide if I'm ready for that. I mean, if it's going to be cold, I guess, you know, let's have the snow. So, although it's 68 it here today. So, it wasn't in Canada. It was like after I came across the border, you kind of go up, up and over coming back down into. Washington and I was rushing because I was running pretty late for this. Yeah. Because I got stuck at the border coming into the U S which hasn't happened yet. So anyway, I was contemplating what I could use the bathroom in, in my car. <laughs> and I was like, do you think they're going to pull me in for questioning if I'm peeing in my car? Oh no. At border at the border crossing. But they said the wait was less than five minutes on the sign when you go in. So I was like, Oh, it's fine. I'll just go right when I go to the other side of the border. It's like 25 minutes. That's not five minutes. Yeah. So, um, how are you? I'm a little tired because I was up in Canada doing some work. And before that, we launched the gravel festival on Monday. Yeah. Right. It's that's crazy. been, that's been a huge, hugely well received. <laughs> festival. It's really fun. Yeah. There are people that are like, my whole group's coming and we are already a third sold out over a third sold out. That's awesome. So it's really exciting. So if you haven't signed up, come on over, check it out. We're going to have a lot of fun in Bentonville. It's going to be in so April. Much fun. Yeah. You're going to be there. Celine's going to be there. Love it. So it's all going to be really exciting. It'll be uh, fun. We'll have yeah. to do, we'll have, we should do a, a, some live podcast recording from, from the festival. Yeah. To- oh yeah. We totally should. We'll That'd have to- plenty of time for that too. Yay. Good deal. <laughs> um, and then you're, uh, this is our last podcast before the holidays. That's insane. I know we're taking a couple of weeks off the whole feisty media conglomerate. So that's good. Well um, deserved. You- Bravo ladies. Yeah. Thank you to Lindsay who edits our podcast. She just told me the other day that we were always the delinquent ones and getting our, our files in. 
That makes me feel bad. We have to, that's, that's our new year's resolution. So I think that it means we're like the fun ones. Oh, we can be fun and still on time. Okay. <laughs> what, what are you all going to do for the holidays? Not much, which is a hundred percent a-okay with me. I mean, honestly, I think we kind of talked about this on the, on the, um, live recording, but like, you know, we went from no events, no nothing because of COVID. And then even in the, even at the beginning of 2021, there was still of that. And then when, when everything kind of opened back up, that was like right before unbound. And it was like, somebody put my foot on the accelerator and put a brick on top of it. And it was like, go. Yeah. So, which was thrilling and made, you know, filled my heart and soul and made me super happy. And it was great getting back out, but it's a little bit of time to rest and recuperate and start dreaming about 2022 without feeling overwhelmed, which was how I was feeling. Like when I was thinking about it a couple of weeks ago, it was like, I can't even think about 2022. I just need to process 2021. So yeah, um, yeah. that's yeah, how the end of 2021 will be processing. Yeah. I'm a little the same. I have some downtime and spend it with the holidays, with my brother and sister-in-law and niece, and then chillax a little. Good. But, um, what is your first 2022 van road trip? Um, I'm not going to Patagonia. Oh, that's right. You got to tell me when you're going to be there. Okay. I've decided that it's kind of dark and cold here and rainy. Yeah. uh, That's just how it is. And you knew that when you moved there, I (laughs) I knew that when I moved, but yeah. So I don't know. I'm going to see, I've got a trip to Florida at the beginning of the year. So I'll see if that gives me enough sunshine or if I need to like there's nothing keeping me here. Right. I have the whole, I basically have the whole month of February that I can go right. work somewhere you else. You can come, you can come work remotely down there. Yeah. So maybe so. we can ride some gravel together. That would be fabulous. Yeah. And there's plenty. So yeah. Eight. Well, I uh, just want everybody in our audience. I hope everybody has a happy and safe holiday. However, they celebrate it. Agreed. Look forward to seeing everybody in, in the new year. And then we should tell people who our guest is. Yeah, Hillary Allen Hilly Goat is joining us today. Yeah, yeah. So this is a good one to close out the year. I'm pretty excited about sharing her story. So we are going to uh, get onto our podcast recording with Hillary Allen. Christy, have you ever been out riding and stopped at a sketchy gas station and been like, eh, "I want to go in, but I don't know what to do with my really expensive nice bike"? Uh, yes, that always stinks. Those situations are never fun. I know. And especially if you're by yourself and there's nobody to stay outside and watch the bike for you. Yeah, exactly. You, like have to drive right by that nice cold Coca-Cola <laughs> or bag of potato chips. Well, I have a feeling we have a way to fix that. We do. We have a brand new podcast sponsor. Auto Lock. Auto Lock. So Auto Lock is a company that creates these great locks. They're cinch locks. So they're small, lightweight, and easy to carry. And they all have combination lock codes. So you can put it in your bike bag. You could even just leave it strapped around your seat post. And Perfect. it just makes it easy to lock your bike to anything or even somebody else's bike. It's ideal for theft deterrent. Um, all the locks have Kevlar in them. So they're really hard to cut. And I think it's just great to have an option wherever you are to always have a lock with you. Yep. 
And the cool thing is, is they're giving all of our listen listeners a chance at 25% off if you want to buy a cinch lock. Well, I think it's any of their locks on their website. Oh, that's awesome. So, that's even better. I know, because they also have that um, U-lock on there as nice. well. So if you need something more heavy duty, if you're riding around in a city. So you just go over to autodesignworks.com and you're going to get 25% off at checkout and free shipping for U.S. customers only if you use the code GIRLSCONGRAVEL at checkout. Again, it's autodesignworks.com and 25% off with Girls Gone Gravel at checkout. Auto lock, hide it in your sock, take it around the block. Christy, you look like you're not feeling well at all. I'm so sorry. (laughs) You just got your COVID booster. Booster, booster. Yeah. (laughs) Screw the booster. That's what I'm saying. Right about boosters, but they don't. My brother felt terrible after he got his. I'm it's not as bad as it was after the second shot, but it's not fun. And I just kind of feel like I got run over by a bus. So, well, we have a, she says she's not very high energy, but I think our guest today is already exuding high energy. Goodness. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me, both of you. And I'm sorry, you're not feeling well. Thank you. (laughs) Um, you may be our first runner on the show, like true runner. That's like a cyclist on the side. Is that right, Christy? I think, I think so. We had a triathlete. We've had <laughs> multiple triathletes. Yeah, yeah. We've had some triathletes, but you're kind of, do you swim Hillary? No, do not. <laughs> there we go. We've got a runner. We've got a runner. <laughs> we got a runner. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. I'm thrilled. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I definitely like to think of myself as a runner who dabbles in bikes, but oh man, I, I think that my running has actually improved because of the bike. So I'm, I'm very happy that I discovered it later in life. So yeah. And you were highly recommended multiple times by Allison Tetrick as in why haven't you had her on the podcast yet? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Allie is like, man, I love that woman so much. Um, we, I mean, I've, I've known of her for a while, but we finally kind of got connected this year. And I feel like, I mean, she's got an incredible comeback story. She's an incredible athlete. And we just found a lot of similarities kind of in our journey and what we think about sports and our relationship with sport. And, um, I just have that most respect for her and I can't wait to go on just more adventures with her and just ride my bike. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Well, I want you to tell us your story. Usually we say, tell us how you got into cycling, but I feel like we need to hear your story of athleticism and running ultras and all the things and then how cycling like snuck in there. So give us us the Hillary Allen story. (laughs) Well, um, I usually describe myself as a, as a science nerd more than anything. So I actually discovered running, um, when I was in graduate school, uh, I was getting my master's degree, well, my PhD in neuroscience and physiology. Um, and I ended up kind of finding running as more of stress relief. Um, I started on the road and then, you know, ran a couple marathons and, um, quickly, you know, kind of fell in love with trail running. It was my like once a week recovery run. And then I just, I fell in love with it. And I started running on trails more and more. And I kind of, I just loved running because it was the kind of thing where I could see how hard work paid off. And so the more I ran, the more I loved it, I got to, you know, be my curious self and, um, you know, ask questions of how far I could go, how high I could go. Um, 
And so I got into this sport called ultra running and, um, it's where you run more than a marathon distance. Um, usually the entry level is like a 50 K so about 31 miles. Um, and, um, I kind of had success like early on. I, I really got into running in ultra running in, um, you know, 2013 and by 2015, I had signed with the North face and I was running these races called sky running races, which are, uh, they're like super technical. So in a 50 K so 31 mile distance, you would, um, gain typically around 12,000 feet, um, <laughs> and then you'd have to run down it too. So they're very steep, very technical, very mountainous. Um, but it was kind of, uh, what I love to do. Uh, and so I got this nickname called the Hilly goat, uh, cause I love to go uphill and yeah, I just kind of took off from there. And that style of running kind of led me into, um, Europe. So Europe has all of these sky running races from 50 kilometers up to hundred kilometers, you know, through the Alps, the Pyrenees, the Dolomites. So I was really traveling, doing the world sky running circuit. Um, and kind of, you know, pretty quickly when I got into the sport. Um, and so it, I was kind of, I was doing that and, um, you know, had, had quite a bit of success. And, you know, by 2017, I was, um, I was ranked number one in the world for the, uh, world sky running series, uh, the ultra division. Um, and, uh, but that, that, that year is kind of when a lot of things changed for me. Um, I was running a race in, in one of these kind of in the, the season in the summer, uh, in Norway. Um, and midway through the race, I stepped on a rock that kind of moved and gave way underneath my foot. And I ended up falling off of this ridge, um, which you don't really want to fall off of. Um, I fell a total of 150 feet. Uh, I, you know, bounced and rolled off of this ridge line, and I, I mean, I was lucky to be alive. Um, and, but I had broken, you know, 14 bones. Um, I had to be rescued by helicopter, um, to the nearest he uh, hospital. And, um, you know, it was at that, at that point in my life that, you know, everything changed. I think a lot of people have those defining moments. Um, and this for me was a huge defining moment, you know, and, you know, I was at the peak of my athletic career and doctors were telling me that I'd never run again. And so, you know, I was faced with this incredible recovery, but then also this choice of if I wanted to continue per pursuing sport. Um, and if so, why did I want to do it? Um, and I think, Ironically, it wasn't right then that I discovered cycling, um, but in kind of a period of, of multiple recoveries and have like getting re-injured because, you know, it's hard to heal all at one time from everything that I went through. Um, but it, it was actually, um, when I had rebroken my ankle, um, almost like a year and a half later after the accident, I was kind of, um, forced to reset again. And that's when I discovered the bike and, um, so much so that I, uh, I decided that my first race ever on a bike was going to be, uh, unbound 200 <laughs> at that point, it was called dirty Kansas. So, <laughs> um, way to jump yeah. in. <laughs> yes. Uh, and since then I kind of, you know, literally and figuratively have never gotten off the bike. And I think it's, uh, it's made me a better athlete, a better person and a better runner, ironically. <laughs> um, 
that's amazing. And I have some questions. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I have some questions. (laughs) Um, When like, okay. Were people around you when you had this accident? Like, did people see you fall? Like, how did they know that you fell and how did they know that you, to rescue you? Like what what happened? (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that that, was very, like, I fell a lot and then I broke some things. <laughs> yeah. So luckily many things were, I mean, it was in my favor. Um, luckily it was during a race. And so there was many people around and there was uh, like a helicopter rescue, like on call. Um, and so a racer actually saw me fall and he had been trained in mountain rescue and he was a mountain guide. And so like, he literally just went into, um, you know, action and he scrambled down to me but you know this guy's name is manu uh, he actually uh, this is pretty morbid but it's it's realistic he he told me that when he scrambled down to get me he thought he was doing like a body recovery because he didn't think that anyone could have survived a fall like that um so yeah that's great. yeah that doesn't happen at unbound so good choice <laughs> I've seen some crashes at Unbound. They're very scary. <laughs> yeah, that's, I guess you're right. There have been. Um, and were you conscious? Like, did you know what was going on? What was going through your head? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, it's a dream that sometimes I still have of me falling. Um, and I do remember uh, the first couple impacts before uh, when I hit the ground. Um, I do remember the sensation of falling and me telling myself that okay, you're falling. This is it. Like you're probably not going to survive. Um, but like, try your best to, I was like literally speaking to myself to like relax and, um, like kind of just like, let it, let it happen. Because I knew if I was like rigid, like it would probably be worse. Um, which is strange because I, I, like, I didn't expect that like sense of calm and acceptance almost. Um, but I do remember it. Um, but I don't remember all of it. Um, I remember the kind of the first couple impacts. And then, um, the next thing I remember is waking up and then feeling a bunch of pain. And then, um, Manu, that guy, his like face was really close to mine. And that was because he was, um, like moving me away from the edge. And like, I had a big gash on my head. He was like holding it shut with his head because he was like holding the other gashes. Cause I was bleeding a lot, obviously like trying to hold those shut with his, his arms and hands. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot, Hillary. I know. Um, sometimes I still can't believe that it, that it happened, but it was, you know, four and a half years ago at this point. And I mean, I still have these epic scars all over my body to like remind me that it definitely did happen. Yeah. Do you still enjoy doing those ultra distance runs like that? Yeah. So, um, actually just, uh, I was just had a big travel day yesterday, but, uh, um, but almost two weeks ago, um, I just ran, um, a race. It was a 73 mile race across this Island gained about 24,000 feet and I won it. So, um, you're saying you're tired. Uh, yeah. So I have found my way back to not only running, but still like racing, um, at the elite level, which is something that I never thought was going to be possible again. And did I read, you went back to that same course and did that course. What, 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 
I have a couple of questions about that. I guess to back up before even that, like when you were in the hospital, like, did you imagine you would ever go back or like, what was your thought process? How did you deal with like that? I don't know. I feel like there's, you can go so many ways, right? You can be grateful. You can feel like you're a victim. You probably have all those. You can feel hopeless. Like how did you deal with the mental, what was going on in your head in the hospital and and, in recovery? So, I mean, that, that was the hardest part. I think, I mean, physically, I mean, I'm a scientist, so I I can, I know that like my body knows how to heal, so it will heal, but it's the mental part that was so, so hard to deal with because, you know, moving your body, being active, being an athlete, like there's a lot of power in that. And I felt weak that I couldn't, that I couldn't move and that I needed help. And it was one of the hardest things to be able to find the strength to ask for help and to accept that help and to start over again. Um, And so I think that was honestly the hardest part. And that persisted for months. You know, I didn't feel like myself for the better part of a year. Um, And so I was trying to, you know, find, um, you know, especially endurance running, it can, or athletics in general, it can be very obsessive, right? So I was, trying to find other things that made me happy, that, that fulfilled me in a different way that, um, you know, I wasn't just, my worth wasn't defined, um, by my, you know, last result. Um, and so I was dealing with all of that kind of in the mental recovery, but I mean, I wanted to give up half the time because it didn't, I didn't know if I'd even be able to kind of move regularly again. Um, and Yeah. I mean, I even still think even to today, it's still something that I have to focus on and work on. Um, and one of the the ways that I kind of tackled it during my recovery was these like mantras or like these things that I'd write down, um, to one of them was belief, um, like believing that my best athletic days were ahead of me. And, um, it might seem weird, but I still, I still believe that even like you know, I understand that, you know, an an athlete's career is something that's finite. Like if you expect to win races, it's the one day it's not going to happen anymore, but like facing that and being okay with it and still kind of knowing that I can still have big goals. And it's a matter of perspective that my best athletic days are ahead of me because I'm constantly rediscovering who I am, why I love to do sports, you know, changing sports. Um, yeah. So, and then when, when you went back to, to do that course, like, what was that like for you? Oh man. Um, I didn't actually know if I wanted to do it. Um, I thought that maybe one day I'd want to go back, but maybe that'd be 10 years from when it happened or, you know, um, because leaving, I mean, it was so, it was so painful. It was so scary. Like I've never left a place feeling like, you know, almost like a fear and like a bit like this, this, like almost, it was like this kind of like scary place Norway became, um, that I had all this fear and this, um, this sense of loss associated with this place in Norway. And, um, something happened along the lines of my recovery when I started running again. And I had actually like won my first race back and, um, after the whole injury. And I decided that this was it that I had like overcome this, that I had like, you know, gotten back to running and found this new love and that I needed to face my fear of, and like kind of close the loop, so to say. Um, and, um, actually I called Manu, um, the moment I made the decision, I told him that I wanted to come back to Tromso and that I wanted to do the race, but I only wanted to do it if he could run it with me. Oh, 
<laughs> and, and you so, didn't know Manu before, right? Like no. you, yeah. Yeah. And so, and he did, we did it together, the whole entire thing, which, you know, I don't know what's harder than going back to the place that I fell or, you know, running an ultra with someone else. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. Um, I love what it's, so you have a book that you tell your story and it's called out and back a runner story of survival against all odds. And it came out this year, correct? Yeah. It came out in April of this year. Um, and I loved like one of the things that it says in the description of the book where it says that your story teaches you that the path forward is not always linear, that healing takes time. And the process of rediscovery is ongoing as you reach within yourself and find what it takes to survive and thrive. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love for you to pack that a little more. Like, what have you learned about like, cause I think we really like life to be linear, right? <laughs> um, and when things don't happen in a linear way, we kind of like it can get us out of whack, but um, yeah, I would love just if you have any more thoughts on that. Yeah. And I think that was in a nutshell, I think that's why I wrote the book. Of course it was healing and cathartic for me to write about my own experience, but I feel like it's really, it's something that I want to share with the greater community of runners, of endurance athletes, of just athletes and people in general, that these hard moments in life aren't something to be afraid of. They're not something to that, to, to that, you know, you're doomed if you experience them, that you'll never come back from them, that they're learning opportunities. And they, this, this experience in my life, um, it allowed me the opportunity to, to learn why I love to run, why I love movement. Um, it allowed me the freedom to get on the bike and try a completely new sport. Um, and it's, it's allowed me to figure out, you know, how strong I am and redefine what strength looks like. And it has nothing to do with your muscle size or your FTP, but it has everything to do with how you choose to handle a problem and how you choose to grow from it and learn from it. Um, and kind of, you know, that's, I've, I've just learned, I've learned so much. And one of the main things is that is redefining what strength looks like. And it's not something that's, you know, I'm not strong because I don't need help ever. I'm not strong because I can, you know, run up these mountains and, you know, run for, for miles and hours. I'm strong because I can ask for help and I can realize when I've bitten off more than I can chew and I can rely on a community. Um, and you know, that's, it's, it's, it's more, you know, you're stronger together with other people and, um, leaning into, um, being vulnerable. I think that's the main thing that I learned. And, um, it's, it's taught me so much about myself, like this whole recovery process of being broken and then, um, kind of redefining what, um, what courage is. Um, I, I don't think I've ever thought of myself as a, as a brave person, but, um, kind of confronting fear, uh, the fear of having a potential athletic career be over and, um, still walking towards it and, you know, making my own decisions of what that looks like moving forward. Um, yeah. That's big. <laughs> it is. It's great. It's, it's, um, I mean, you're completely hitting the nail on the head with all of that, you know, and understanding what's, what, what it is that makes you strong. Is not necessarily strength? <laughs> <laughs> I love that when I discovered like 
all these people were like, what's your FTP? I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I'm just like new into this cycling world. And then, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. Yeah. It has less and less to do about that. And like, that's like why it's, it's the funniest thing. Cause it's like, you know, like untapping and like, how do you get better as an athlete? And I think it's like tapping into these vulnerabilities and, yeah. you know, these things that make you human. Yeah. Well, and I think like, sometimes we put too much emphasis on like the things like your FTP or your, like how much, how many hours you train and not enough on that mental strength and that mental ability to just keep going when things are really hard. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting, like, because you're a physiologist, um, and your background, like I had a, a, I went over the handlebars of my bike several years ago, like 30 miles an hour. It was not a very bad accident, but, um, it's still like, it jacked my knee up. And it, for me, like the, I was expecting like, okay, you're going to have these mental, right. Mm-hmm. Like mental struggles. Like I knew enough to know that. And like the body, kind of what you said, the body naturally heals, but it also surprised me as to how like the body would heal really fast. And then it would really slow down. And then like a year later you would see like, Oh, this is actually a result of that injury. Like that kind of that same thing with injuries. And like, I had to start to learn not to try to push through, but to like, go back and like, okay, get to the basics and just address like the reason that your back always hurts is because your left side is still weak from that accident. Um, so have you seen things like that? Were there any things that surprised you with your background or were you like, Oh no, I kind of knew that this was going to come as far as just physical healing. (laughs) Oh man. That's been so tough because, um, I've had, you know, even after I made a full recovery, quote unquote, full recovery, right? Like you're never the same, right? It's, it's just, you, you kind of pivot and, and, and have new, um, new goals and, you know, you train differently or, you know, you're just different after something like that. But, um, I was really surprised how nonlinear recovery is. Um, and I've had several injuries, you know, that have all been related years later to this accident. And it's, it's really tough to accept that. Um, and to find a way to keep going. I mean, for instance, when, when earlier this year I broke my foot and it was related to, you know, changing my gait from, from running, um, uh, from, from the accident and then running again. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's devastating and it's super frustrating. And especially if you kind of get into comparing to other people and, you know, if you're competing against these other athletes and they don't have to, you know, train the same way as you, or they don't have to do, um, you know, as much cross training or strength training as you do. Um, it can be quite defeating. Um, but it also gave me a newfound respect for the body and how amazing it is that like how it can, compensate and it can be, you know, I mean, we're talking about strength, you know, like compensate and figure out a way to still do some amazing things, even with a, you know, quote unquote weakness or imbalance. Right. Um, but then it's also given me a new appreciation for how I need to take care of my body, uh, because you know, you don't want things to get too, um, out of whack. Uh, so yeah. It, it, I mean, I think it's a constantly learn. I've constantly learned. Um, but again, it's, 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 it's really cool. Cause I feel like it's like this puzzle that I'm trying to figure out how to put together. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What are you doing for your cross training? I mean, you've mentioned the bike. What else are you doing? 
Yes. Funny. I mean, it's, uh, I love to ski also, but, um, the bike is a huge thing. Um, but then, uh, I'm in the gym a lot. I really, you know, whether that's doing, <laughs> it's still boring, but mobility work <laughs> and, uh, you know, PT, but also like strength, strength training. I mean, I, I, it's this time of year, especially in the winter is, is where I lean into that a lot more. And then have you done any other gravel events outside of unbound? Since you jumped yeah. right in. <laughs> <laughs> well, my second bike race ever was where I met Allie uh, uh, in <laughs> 2019. It was the Oregon Trail Gravel Grinder. So that was my second oh. bike race. And Adult summer camp, I hear that's called. <laughs> so great. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so I've done that. And then this year I was able to do Steamboat Gravel. I did Rooted Vermont. Um, I wasn't able to do uh, Rasputitsa, but that's on the list for next year. Um, as well as what big sugar. Um, I want to do the last best ride, but I, uh, that's usually around the time when I'm doing some running events. So can kind of like mix and match for these things. <laughs> I feel like those events might be too short from you for you. No, like, I like, okay. Well, you like unbound like two days in a row. That'd be, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> They have it. It's called the 300 the XL. XL. But can I sleep and then do it? (laughs) You can. It just can't sleep for too long. That's true. That's true. I know. I need to try the the XL. That would be awesome. Yeah. It's it's a dream of mine. Yeah. It's not a dream of mine, just to let everybody just to let everybody know. (laughs) It's not a dream of mine ever. Um and then you were telling us also before we started that you have a new newish podcast, correct? Yeah. So I just started it with, um, well, it's not me. I didn't start it, but my friend, my friend Keely Henninger and um, Corinne Malcolm and I, uh, we've all been talking about this idea for a long time, but Keely Henninger finally got the, 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 the gumption to kind of get it off the ground. So we started it. It's um, the Trail Society podcast. Um, and obviously it focuses more on month trail running, but you know, it's just, it's kind of like what you both are doing. It's, it's a woman led podcast, trying to kind of get the idea of, you know, equality, equity, and just, just diversity and kind of this whole, these, all these topics are kind of like not talked about and just have a different female voice to it. And definitely one of our biggest passions is talking about how women train differently than men. Um, and yeah, just trying to just get a different voice out there for, in the world of ultra runners. We will talk about cycling too. <laughs> I will I make it. them. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. You were, uh, we were talking about that beforehand because, um, we were talking about Dr. Stacy Sims, who we work with on the feisty side of things. And she's done a lot of the leading research and women, women, are not small men. Um, and what are, what are some of the things you see in the, the running world where women are trying to train like men? Oh man. I mean, I have, I have Stacy's book. So, uh, she's, <laughs> I, I love it. Um, so again, it's, um, I think in the ultra running world, it's women shine away from lifting heavy things, um, which I think is, is very important for, you know, bone density and, um, and, and things like that, like running itself doesn't really make you strong. It's everything else that does. Um, and I think one of the main things around women in endurance sport, and that drives me up a wall, um, is the idea that, you know, women need to fast, do fasted training. Um, and we kind of get into this whole topic of, um, you know, a relative energy deficiency in sport. Um, and as you know, with my physiology background, that's a huge topic of mine or, or passion of mine, <laughs> I get, 
you know, I'm also a running coach. And so, you know, the first thing I tried to shy away to like get out of a lot of women, um, their minds, because I think they're like, oh, I need to eat less than, you know, my partner, or I don't, I like, you know, basically just like skimp, not, not eating before they run or they train and just getting that out the window. It's like, you're actually working against yourself. Um, so, and I mean, in every, every single way, it's like how you, you train this. Like if you do, it's a common practice to build for a marathon, do a workout Tuesday, workout Thursday, long run Saturday. Sometimes women need more space between workouts. Like Tuesday, Friday could be a better, you know, two, two workouts a week. Uh, so it's just, it's different. The amount of recovery we need, the type of stimulus, um, how much we train, um, the timing of our nutrition. Um, so it's really interesting to read about too, from a scientific perspective. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, the book is called roar. If yep. people are interested in it, it's by Dr. Stacy Sims. Um, and just kind of the forerunner in this research, but there's a lot of people like you coming behind her with a lot of great research and information. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's so interesting to learn about this. I, I love that she's one of the pioneers really for, for women, uh, for doing research on women, um, you know, in endurance sports and sports in general. So it's kind of crazy when we're talking about pioneers and that kind of stuff. And we're in, you know, the year 2000s. So yeah, I think about that, <laughs> like literally, yeah, the, the woman, it's like 50% of the population, 51% of the population. Yeah. And it's just been in the last decade or so that we really started. It's, it's so pathetic. I mean, <laughs> so believe sad. me. Yeah. I mean, my, my mother, so she, she's, um, almost 70 now. Um, so late sixties, um, and it, to put it in perspective in her high school, she, she went to school in Colorado. Um, they were one of like, in, she was allowed to participate in high school in track and field because before that point, they didn't allow women to do that. And like, then her, you know, cause they had this idea that like, you know, the women were weaker, their uterus would fall out or something. I don't know. But, um, literally like that was happening to my mom's generation. And now she's raised a daughter who can actually, you know, pursue sport as part of a career. It's, um, you know, it's, it's something that's changed in recent history. And I want to be part of, that's also part of this trail society podcast is being part of, you know, getting that momentum going and keeping it going so that other women can have those these same opportunities and have more resources. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, it was our, your mom's generation. Your mom's probably a little younger than my mom, but also like our friend, Allie Tetrick, when she was racing pro, the women couldn't compete at the same distance as the men, because there was still this assumption that women were, couldn't complete the distances and their uteruses would fall out. It would damage them. Like that's not that long ago. Yeah. Um, so, and, I mean, even to, and for that too, it's like now more and more research shows that kind of the women, I think their physiology is equipped to go longer. So yeah, we're better. We're better at it. <laughs> um, it was interesting. Cause I, I was telling my team today, I was like, I feel like the culture is starting to, to really shift. I was on a, um, a live group ride, um, that Rebecca Rush was leading on with the other day. And somebody made like a joke about, um, it wasn't even, I don't think they were even trying to make necessarily a weight joke, but it was kind of like they were doing a movie line and they were like, you know, what's the, what movie is this from? I'm only one, um, stomach flew away from my perfect oh. size or something like that. My perfect, 
And like immediately somebody was like, who's making, who's the person making a joke on a women's ride about weight (laughs) right away. And I was like, that's something you wouldn't have necessarily seen. I think even two or three years ago. Yeah. So I think we're starting to redefine what fit and what, you know, all those things look like. And I'm I'm here for it. (laughs) Me too. Definitely. Um, and that, yeah, that's something that, that I'm passionate about too. It's like, it's definitely not a one size fits all, um, type thing. Uh, and I mean, yeah, it's, it's, that's something I also don't like. It's like, in you know, the world of running, it's like, it's also reflected in like the, the uniforms that like, you know, professional track and field women wear as opposed to the men. It's like, come on now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> drives me crazy I will never run in bun huggers <laughs> yeah why would you want to I don't I, know <laughs> like I could see it if you were high jumping yeah you, you know, like but you make everything tight enough that <laughs> <laughs> so that you you know I'm like I can see it having a an advantage in a space in certain spots but <laughs> but Swimming. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I had a friend, that was, track, not I had a friend that was on the U S handball team and they, when they would play beach handball and they had to compete in bikinis, like they were not allowed to wear. And I, that was just a big controversy at the Olympics this summer mm-hmm. with those teams. And yeah. so, um, yeah. but she was always like so mad about it. And I was like, I mean, I was like, literally you can't, and she's saying, no, we have to wear these. And they were not big bikinis. They're small bikinis and you're jumping around. <laughs> like that doesn't even seem practical. Yeah. <laughs> it's a women's it's volleyball just, team too. Yeah. Yeah. It's to get men to watch. So yeah. Right. <laughs> yep. Anyway. Um, okay. Well, you said that we're going to see you next year at Rasputitsa and um, did you say steamboat again? Um, I don't know about steamboat, but definitely unbound. Um, XL? I don't know, actually. <laughs> Christy, don't we need more women at the XL? I need to look cause it's open right now. I need to look and see what our registrations looking like, but like male, female, but yeah, I mean, you've you got know. the mental strength for it for oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know if my butt will be ready for it, <laughs> but yeah. And then, um, maybe rooted Vermont. We'll see kind of the timing of my races, um, uh, for running and then, um, big sugar. I'm going to do that one too. Nice. Um, and then what um, are the big, for the people, for the runners in the audience, what are the big running races? Well, <laughs> you can probably so, um, there's a couple of races in Europe. Cause I really like the steep and technical races. I used to live in Annecy, France. Um, it's kind of in the foothills of the Alps. And there's a big race there in the end of May. And so I'm planning to do that race there. It's like, um, about a hundred kilometers, about 62 miles and a ridiculous amount of gain, like over 20,000 feet. (laughs) Uh, and then, um, I'm still kind of working it out, but the kind of in between, uh, but I'm planning to do, um, UTMB. So ultra trail du Mont Blanc, which is a hundred mile race. I was going to ask if that's enough climbing for you. Um, that's the one that I know about because obviously I, well, I love Courtney Dowater and she's yes. that a couple of times. Yeah. She's so. amazing. She is amazing. I, I love her. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, speaking of, you know, women who are, you know, beating the men, you know, she does these ultra like 200 mile races and, you know, she, she's won a couple of them. So, um, yeah, it's awesome. So yeah, that's the race. It's a, it's around Mont Blanc crosses through, um, France, uh, Italy and Switzerland. So, yeah. Well, if you need support crew. Yeah. Uh, Christine and I will come help you. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) It might not be much help, but we'll cheer. I'll bring the party. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I I'm, I'm, I would actually be a really good support group person, but <laughs> I have really good costumes that I can wear to cheer for you. <laughs> okay. This is amazing. Okay. I love <laughs> you would be a great team. Though, so. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> I have one last question for you. Cause you were talking about Ali Tetrick a little bit earlier and yeah. she uh, reached out after I did the rad because I did the hundred mile bike ride and then did the the run the next day. Mm. Um and she was like, I think we need to do more foot sports next year. I'm like, is this somebody take your phone, Allie? Is this really you? Has she talked to you about doing some some running? I'm like <laughs> she has and it's she's, amazing. She's, she's like trying she- to get me to sign up now for all this running stuff. And I'm like Allie, like I did that off the couch. Like (laughs) I couldn't walk for three days afterwards. Yeah, we talked about it that she wants to get into running more. Like I think she's a good, she's a good runner. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. So, oh yeah, I'm, I am for it. have a huge engine for it. (laughs) Training, like she'll be able to go forever. That's, I mean, that's why I'm able to do it. Cause it's just, you know, I've got the engine from all the cycling yeah, but exactly yeah. so let's let's operation make alley into an ultra runner i'm there for it <laughs> I, I actually not ultra running but i do love the combo of gravel riding and trail running like yeah if I never awesome. run on the road again i would be but i just love trail running mm-hmm. i love it like and i'm yeah. super slow and i'm okay with it and i just love it <laughs> That's the best kept secret for trail running is that you can actually walk. You can hike when it goes, it gets oh. really steep uphill. I'm like, oh, that's a hill. I'm hiking. <laughs> Perfect. You're an ultra There's a hill. <laughs> I actually did a trail running trip in Ireland a few years ago. And um, I don't know if you've ever run with like Irish people, but they just know how to go down a hill really fast. Oh yeah. And so I learned how to descend really well from them. And so I'm like, I can actually go down pretty fast. There we go. That's it. <laughs> I, can <have> it. <laughs> I can slam down it. Um, but yeah, I think it's just like such a, both of them are so, I don't know. It can get me to my happy space really yeah. quickly. I've got to address the eyesight and running glasses at some point. So I've noticed that that with downhill, because mm. I'm in that bifocal stage and now I'm moving out of that. And now I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to get something to help because that's the only thing that gets me on the, the downhill is like, uh, you know, being scared of crashing, not wrecking. What what do you do in bike in, in running? Is that crashing? Falling? It's falling. Falling. (laughs) (laughs) This is the COVID. I mean, I like my head. As a reminder, again, Christy had a COVID back her COVID booster. She does not have COVID. Do you want to know, like your dog was in the background, Catherine, and started moving. And I literally was like, like started (laughs) freaking out. Like, oh, that's not my, that's not even my house. What am I doing? A couple of times when Hillary froze up, uh, that'll be cut. But (laughs) I was like, wait, did I freeze up? Because Christy was laying so still (laughs) on the couch because she doesn't look 
So we appreciate you being here. Yeah. <laughs> like she got on, she was like, I don't feel good, but I really wanted to be a part of this conversation. Aww, but thank you. <laughs> um, good stuff. Well, Hillary, tell people where they can find you and find your book and your podcast. Yeah. So, um, I'm Hilly goat climbs on Instagram. Uh, and then, you know, Hil- Hillary Allen.com. I have a website where I kind of push all the, uh, there's all the information you'd need from coaching to the podcast, to, um, my book. Um, but if it's not in your local bookstores, um, Amazon certainly has it. So <laughs> you can always go there. Um, but if it's in your local bookstore, you should support your local bookstores because, uh, they got hit hard with this pandemic. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been such a pleasure. So fun. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. Christy, do you know one thing that I'm really sick of? What is that? All the freaking trends and that are coming out in wellness. Like Ethan, uh, avoid that. I don't even yeah, know where to start. Uh, yeah. I don't know where to start. I don't know who to trust. Yeah. But we have a new sponsor that I'm pretty excited about. Have you, have you yes. done your stuff? Yeah. I'm so stoked. Yeah. So Inside Tracker is our new sponsor and they're going to cut through all the noise and they're going to analyze our blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers. And then we get personalized science-backed trackable action plans for how we should eat, age. We need that and perform better. I know. I'm excited. It's the cool thing about it is it's, it's cheaper and it's way more convenient than the traditional blood tests. Um, they include biomarkers that are key to performance. So so information that we're not getting from traditional blood tests. Um, and I think my favorite part is that they're not just going to give us the data, but they're providing us with nutrition and lifestyle tips to help us take action and cut through the noise. Yes. I love that. Cause I feel like whenever I go to the doctor and I get blood tests, I have no idea what to do with them. Right. Exactly. And I don't, they don't apply to like whatever I'm doing. Um, and the good news is because they are a sponsor of the podcast, all of you all get 25% off their entire store. You just go yes. to insidetracker.com slash girls gone gravel. Change is an inside job. Start on the inside. Hey friends, Catherine here, and I want to invite you to join our girls gone gravel adventures team. Whether you're preparing for your first big bike trip lining up at a starting line, or just learning to clip in for the first time, it's more fun with a community to cheer you on. This team is a non-competitive team focused on creating a supportive space for cyclists of all levels. We want to make it easy to find the resources you need. So here's what you're going to get. You're going to get a place to connect with like-minded cyclists. You're going to get opportunities to learn from experts like Kristen Legan, Scotty Lechuga, Laura DeCrescenzo, and more. And you're going to get discounts and early access to events and other fun things. So I hope you'll join us. Just check it out at girlsgonegravel.com backslash team. That's girlsgonegravel.com backslash team. Hope to see you there. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.